I just thank God for his presence here today. Just say thank you again, God. So grateful for you, God. I thank you, God, that you love us. We are in the palm of your hand. And that even as we get go through the sifting, Lord, even as we face trials and testings and tribulations, God, it's it's be, your love is sustaining us, God. And so we just thank you, Father, for your presence and for your power and for the name of Jesus that you've given us. Amen. Well, today um, <clears throat> I want to discuss some more revelation concerning um, what I believe we're experiencing as a church. Um, if you weren't here last week, I... Last week I talked about how um, we as a church um, are in many ways in the same place as Peter or Simon that we read about in um, Luke 22, starting in verse 31. And if you remember the story, Jesus had, uh, was, it spoke to, to Simon and to all the disciples and, and told, told them that Satan demanded to have them and that he wanted to sift them like wheat, and, and Jesus was speaking to the whole group. He was speaking to the whole, and he said, Satan has demanded to have all of you, to sift you like wheat, which, in other words, Jesus was warning them that they were about to experience, at this point, a hellish night. And I reflected last week on how the Lord had specifically warned us as a church that the enemy was coming to distract us. And I believe now we're in the throes of that, that warfare and that battle. You know, what's really interesting, at, um, so when Eric went through what, what initially started going through um, the severe part of what he was going through, I had reached out to several pastors in the region that I have relationship with and um, asked them to pray for Eric. Now, I told them nothing other than Eric is very sick and we need some serious prayer. Well, last Tuesday, um, I was at our regional leader gathering and I was giving an update on Eric and thanking everybody one of the leaders that I had reached out to um, told me, he said, he said, I want you to know, Tom, he says, whenever I receive a text or a call like that, he says, I ask the Lord a question. And he said, I ask the Lord, is this a distraction or is there a change coming? And he said, when I prayed for you and for Eric, he said, the Lord told me this is a distraction. And he said that at that point, he, he had confidence, he knew, he had peace that Eric was going to come out of this, and it even helped direct his prayers on how to pray. But he said it was a distraction. He had no idea what we've been talking about. So when he had shared that language, he used that language of distraction with me, it just, again, it, it helped my heart to know what we're going through, what we're up against. But part of what I shared last week was I, I shared that if we reject the Lord's warning, whether it's due to our pride or overconfidence, instead of humbling ourselves, then, then we can um, expose ourselves to the possibility of humiliation. Remember, Peter, he had rejected what Jesus warned him about. No, not me. I mean, he was very sincere in his optimism. Don't get me wrong. But in his optimism, he thought he could handle it. And so he still, he rejected the warning that he had from the Lord. And because he rejected it, Jesus had to call him out in front of everyone. 
And so last week, I ended uh, with a time of repentance for pride, for overconfidence, for self-reliance. And I called us to move towards God and to move towards each other again. Reconciling ourselves to each other. And I also shared last week about how the situation that we are in right now is very similar to what we went through five years ago. You see, five years ago, if you remember, Joel was attacked in his body. Lost all feeling in his legs and he couldn't walk. Several others five years ago were under physical attack. I personally remember struggling with some depression and some hopelessness. And here we are five years later. And this time it was Eric that got attacked physically. You know, we've had three people with heart issues over the course of the last six months. Our beloved Phyllis Wiggins has passed away. She was only 69. Five years ago, we had a serious battle with the spirit of Jezebel. And that spirit was undermining leaders within our church. It was speaking ill of our leaders. That Jezebel spirit was questioning our authority. It was questioning even the foundation of our church. It was drawing people away. Five years ago, that spirit took people out of our church. Our attendance went down. Our ties went down. My personal relationships with some of my friends were broken because of that spirit's influence. Well, here we are, five years later, and I feel very strongly that we are fighting the Spirit again. I believe that there is a Jezebel and an Ahab spirit that is trying to distract us as a part of the sifting that we're going through. I see those same spirits right now. They're questioning authority in our church again. Those spirits are working to undermine leaders and people who are genuinely trying to help others. Now, this, my, my, as I share this, my goal is to not scare anyone. I am not trying to come off like some spiritual kooky person, some fanatic. We are fighting against real spiritual forces. I mean, Ephesians chapter 6 is absolutely clear about this. Verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, remember what I said last week? I said last week, I said, people are not the enemy. Your church family is not your enemy. God surely is not your enemy. We've got an enemy. Satan and his evil spiritual forces, they are your enemy. And just like five years ago, we are facing this Jezebel and Ahab spirit as well as other spirits. Five years ago, when we went through this as a church, and I thank God for this, when we went through this five years ago, God gave me a dream. And I won't go into all the details, but in the dream, there was a ship and a storm, and it was sinking, and water was coming in on the ship. 
And at the last minute, the ship was saved. And at the last minute, the ship was eventually, it was drawn into shore, where then God brought supernatural provision. It was amazing. That was five years ago. Well, God is speaking to me again. And he has given me another dream about where we're at concerning this issue of Jezebel and Ahab. Several weeks ago, I had a dream about our church Christmas party. It was actually before we actually had had the Christmas party. And in the dream, I was walking around the room. I was going from table to table. I was greeting people. And as I was moving towards the next table, I was shocked as I noticed two people sitting at that table. And I thought, why in the world are they even here? And as I walked up to the table, I remembered that I was complaining about something. I don't know what it was. I can't remember. And when I got up to the table where these two were sitting the man looked at me and he began scolding me for complaining and he was telling me about how awful I was just tearing me down and when he was scolding me he was talking to me as if he had some kind of authority over me And as he kept talking down to me, I kept, you know, shooting a glance over at his wife to see if she was going to pipe in. She was quiet. And so as he continued to assume this authority and correct me, I felt myself getting really angry. And I wanted to tell him to shut up and to leave. But I didn't. And I remembered thinking to myself, I just need to be nice. Speak softly to him. And so I gritted my teeth and I said, I apologize for complaining. I'm sorry you were offended. And it took all that I had in me to keep from telling this person to go. That's what I wanted to do. And again, I looked at his wife, and she still did not say a word to me. And at that point, I woke up. So what I believe the Lord was showing me was that the woman represented a Jezebel spirit, and the husband represented an Ahab spirit. And I believe the Lord used this specific couple because I know they both struggle in this way. I've had encounters, encounters, encounters. They both function under those spirits. And so I believe the Lord was showing me that an Ahab spirit has been oppressing me as a leader and is seeking to have authority in our church. So as I connect the dots in my life, and leadership, I can see it showing up in my life specifically. I can see it showing up when, when in the area of fear, when it comes to confronting people. You know, I think part of the reason for that open door in my life is that I've heard people complain about how critical I am. Or how I only see the negative side of things as a leader. I've had people tell me they don't want to be under my leadership because I'm critical or too negative. I mean, I've heard every criticism a pastor could hear. I've had people call me on the phone and tell me what a terrible pastor I was. And you know, to some measure, I can agree with that. I can be very critical. I can be very negative. You know, one of my superpowers is I'm a great problem solver. 
Sometimes I look for problems where there really isn't one. Or at least it's not as big as I believe it to be. So through years of being criticized for being critical, (laughs) imagine the irony of that, I have shied away from my God-given authority. I've not confronted people when they needed it most. There have been people who have given themselves over to a sin, and we should have told them to leave the church like Paul commands in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 until they repent, and we have not. When people have been stubborn, or they needed personal intervention because they were crashing and burning in their personal lives and we haven't stepped in sooner because we're afraid of coming off critical. I believe these things can open a door for the spirit of Ahab to oppress us. And this last week has been really amazing um, in that God has had people share things with me, send me things, articles and information about this subject of Ahab and Jezebel. I was going to talk about something else today. I had a different plan. But as God unveiled unveiled and and opened up this, I, I just knew we had to deal with this today. People who didn't even know. And so I just, I love how God brings revelation on things. And so I'm grateful for Alger because he sent me some really powerful stuff about the spirit of Ahab. And so I want to share that with you this morning as we unmask this spirit's work. Do you want to have it unmasked? Do you want to be free? Okay. You know, Satan seeks to tear down the psychological personality of a person to beat them down into insecurity and inferiority so that the spirit of Ahab can take root in our life. And so I'm going to list a whole bunch of symptoms of what it looks like when possibly the spirit of Ahab is trying to infiltrate our lives. So go ahead and move to that next slide. Symptoms of the spirit of Ahab. Weakness is the goal of the Ahab spirit. Physically weak with infirmity, psychologically weak in the soul, and spiritually weak by a hindered prayer life. Both Jezebel and Ahab have a rebellious streak within them. And the goal of Ahab is to secure control over the pastors and or the leaders of a church and begin to steer the church down a different direction than what God is leading. And Ahab is too insecure to be assertive and and decisive. And Ahab is too insecure to be a strong leader or to make tough decisions. Ahab is too insecure to discipline and correct people. They actually feel confused when making decisions and will second-guess themselves constantly. They want to be liked and accepted way too much and end up being a follower and giving in to peer pressure. They're afraid of confrontation, struggles with others, uh, intimidating them. Passive-aggressive in nature in many times. Can be immature, irresponsible, manipulating, selfish, shirks responsibility. A lot of times we allow ourselves to be Um, Others to control us, and we have a hard time saying no. And Ahab will tell you that you're being unloving and uncaring if you don't go along with their ways. I've heard that one. Ahabs are very manipulating, usually liars. 
And Ahab doesn't take care of what God entrusts to them, like in the life of Esau, where he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. They're always expecting something from others. When it comes to men like Adam, they will listen to their wives over God. Now listen, we're not saying you don't listen to your wives. Okay? There's a time for the wisdom of both of you to come forth. But the wisdom of each other never trumps what God has said. That's what happened in Lot's life, Job's wife. Tries to get you feel sorry for them through various sob stories. You know, my life's so hard, I can't be held accountable. She goes right into the next one, they have a victim mentality, even an orphan spirit. Things like grumbling, complaining, sulking about life. You know, Ahab, in in his story, he was complaining about Naboth's vineyard. I wanted it. I got to have it. I can't get it. I want it so bad. Just pouted around till Jezebel got it for him. There's an underlying deep-seated anger issue, especially when being confronted about Possibly having some Ahabish ways. Can have a tendency to abdicate their office of authority over to a controlling Jezebel. Can lose their inheritance and blessing that God has for them, again, like Esau. A lot of times we'll struggle with lust in a major way and is usually willing to seek sexual gratification over God's plan for their life. Things like pornography, masturbation, will be commonplace in the life of someone struggling with Ahab. Things like laziness and gluttony and bouts of severe depression. You tend to have to go behind these people sometimes and Clean up their messes, because they don't clean up their own mess. Sometimes they're not good with money management. Sometimes they don't know how to hold down a job. Sometimes they will be super really into sports or guns or physique to feel masculine. But at home, they have a wife that's dominating them. Now again, if you like sports, it's okay. If you like guns, it's okay. If you like working out and being fit, okay. But keep it in the context here. Are those tools to get you to feel better about yourself? And Ahab will procrastinate and usually never gets it done. There's a lot of blame shifting of God. You know, God's not helping me, he's not for me, the devil, people, I can't trust anybody at church, they're just, no one likes me or loves me, no one helps, I know who my true friends are. They get angry with God because they feel life isn't the way they want it. Life isn't fair, but then they fail to realize that God can't bless sin. A lot of rejection issues will take things as rejection that aren't and will take things harder than they actually should. Sometimes we self-medicate unhappiness by turning to things like alcohol or porn, drugs, even shopping or hobbies to find their happiness. Sometimes they're too nice and they let people control and take advantage of their kindness. They're overly unsanctifiedly merciful. You know, there's, there's gospel mercy, and then there's the stuff that goes beyond God. They walk away instead of confronting or challenging when they should. They're willing to compromise what should, shouldn't be compromised, all for the sake of peace at any cost. 
They will say they were wrong to gain acceptance, even if they weren't wrong. They always expect you to pay for things for them. And Ahab will have a problem with a pastor or leader that has to use church discipline. And an Ahab doesn't like to hear true prophecies about himself or herself. Rejects correction. And gathers false prophets around them to tell them what they want to hear. Now that's a painful list. I find myself in this list more than once. You know, God is warning me and us that this spirit wants to have great influence in our lives and in our church and that we've got to stand against him. Now, I want to look at the spirit of Jezebel. And I'm going to share an article, actually, that um, Shelly shared with me, and then my wife, she posted it on Facebook. So if you've already read it, good. Repetition brings revelation. But Chris Vallotton put a blog out concerning the spirit of Jezebel. And some of the points that he makes are really similar to some of the points that I made in my message last week. Um, he has some great points I think are important so, to share. Uh, so I'm just going to read this blog. It's not very long, but there are some really good insights for it. And it starts like this. Do you feel like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Has this year been a constant battle? Earlier this year, I gave a prophetic word, Chris Vallotton gave a prophetic word regarding spiritual warfare on the earth. There was an onslaught of fear during 2018 because we moved into enemy territory that has been occupied for years. Demonic forces that have held the planet in their clutches for generations were and still are being broken. So you may have experienced resistance in the form of anxiety, depression, nightmares, and even suicidal thoughts because you have taken new land to change the world and to love the hell out of the world. And as you take new ground, there's resistance pushing back against you. Spiritual conflicts most often occur when we advance into new territory that is inhabited by evil spirits. Much like Joshua and the promised land experience, or like Nehemiah rebuilding the wall, the enemy defends his territory when we are pushing forward into new land. Now, let's not misidentify our enemy. It's so important that we understand that we are not warring against our old man, but against principalities. The war is finally won when you recognize that the thoughts you are fighting against are not your own, and you resist them. Again, Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world of forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Evil spirits attack by giving you thoughts that are compelling. Do you hear that? Evil spirits attack by giving you thoughts that are compelling. In other words, they make you feel like you want to do them, even though they're opposite of your history and your new nature. Those same spirits accuse you of having these thoughts and then and these feelings. And if you believe these accusations, you slip into fighting yourself instead of the true enemy and may even lose confidence in yourself and God's ability to keep you. This sp starts a spiral down into depression, anxiety, and self-hatred. One of the demonic forces that I've seen on the earth with those who are in the midst of warfare right now is the Jezebel spirit. And I want to be clear that Jezebel is not a strong-willed woman, but rather a spirit, which is personified by a woman in the story in the Bible. 
And I know that some people in the church like to label women who have strong voice or a point of view as a Jezebel, but that is simply inaccurate and inappropriate. The Jezebel spirit is an issue of spirits, not of people, as we've mentioned above. So, four signs that you are influenced by a spirit of Jezebel. How do you know you're under the influence of Jezebel? Well, I encourage you to read the full story of this playing out in 1 Kings chapters 18 and 19. The story is long, but I want you to know before reading is that Elijah had just come out of a great battle and won a great victory. In fact, he defeated 850 false prophets. And then suddenly he came under the influence of a spirit of Jezebel when she said she was going to kill him. Now perhaps this year you had some great victories followed by some intense battles. I propose you didn't miss it when you stepped into the new ground with courage. You're experiencing resistance because you're right where you need to be, taking new ground, advancing the kingdom, and shining light in dark places. So here are the four signs that you are under the influence of the spirit of Jezebel. Number one, irrational fear and insecurity. You see, Elijah had just killed 850 false prophets. And he had turned the Israelites back to God. He had, had just had a great victory. However, when Jezebel said she'd kill Elijah, he ran for his life. Her threat of his life was not a real threat because he could have easily defeated her as he had just defeated 850 false prophets. So this fear was irrational. You may be under the influence of a spirit of Jezebel if you are dealing with irrational fears that make no sense in light of the reality of your life. Number two, the spirit of suicide. Elijah in that story wants to die when he comes under the influence of the spirit of Jezebel. Now let's think about where else this happens in the Bible. When Jesus met Satan in the wilderness in Matthew 4, one of the temptations was to throw himself off the pinnacle of the temple. Suicide is actually a spirit. How do we know this? Because self-preservation is one of the most common drivers of creation. So what causes a person to want to take their own life? I propose to you that this desire is not human. Your innate desire is to live. But the person who hates you, Satan, wants to see you die. Number three is confusion. Elijah doesn't want to live and ends up in a cave, isolated and alone. When he recounts the story to God of what had just happened, he actually brings up a story that is many years old and about a time when everything was going wrong. And yet the most recent story of just 41 days prior about, is about his victory. That's not the story he tells God. All he can remember is what went wrong. He's confused, and he forgot his recent breakthrough. If you can't see clearly, feel foggy in your spirit, and are confused about where God has brought you from, you may be under the influence of a Jezebel spirit. And then number four, isolation. We've been talking about this. People pulling away, disconnecting, checking out. Elijah said to God, I alone am left in 1 Kings 19.10. But God responds that he has 7,000 other prophets who had not bowed their knees to Baal. When you're under the influence of a Jezebel, you feel alone and you think you're the only one left. It's like the world is coming to an end, but it's important to remember the truth is that the world has dramatically improved in the last 100 years. 
You are not alone, and God is moving on the earth. And so Chris goes on to say, vision gives pain a purpose. When you know what you're moving towards, you'll have the stamina, strength, and steadfastness to come out on the other side of your battle. So why do we war in the Spirit? Well, the clear purpose of wilderness battles is to test and establish our faith. Say, my faith is being tested. The Apostle James told us to rejoice in trials because of what they produce in us. The same maturity and perfection that Christ displayed in his complete dependence on God. In fact, James says in chapter 1, verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now listen, faith is fundamentally a relational term. It's not first a matter of what you believe, but whom you trust. In the midst of battle, it can seem so complex. But when the dust settles and the smoke clears, the real war is always over the same question. Whom will we believe? Whom will we listen to? Are we going to listen to God or to our enemy? And may I remind you that your battle is not simply to establish your faith, but it is also to demonstrate light on the earth. People speak of darkness as if it's the most dominant force in the world, as if darkness is forcing light out of the world. But nothing could be further from the truth. It's light that's stalking the darkness. The goodness of God is overwhelming evil. Truth is overcoming lies. And it's the power of the Spirit that is displacing the powers of darkness. Amen. It's a great article. And I can honestly say that I have struggled against the Spirit. I believe it is trying to work its way into our homes, our church, and our relationships. And I want to reinforce that these are evil spirits we're talking about. Ahab and Jezebel, yes, they were originally two real people in the Bible. Again, like Chris said, in 1 Kings, if you want to read about it, go to 1 Kings, start in chapter 18 all the way through 22. But we know that they also represent evil spiritual forces. And we know this because even Jesus himself identifies Jezebel this way. In Revelation chapter 2, Jesus exposes this evil influence in the church at Thyatira. Starting in verse 18. And to the church, and to the angel, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first that feels really good but i have this against you that you tolerate that woman jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols i gave her time to repent but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw out into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches the mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Now this is New Testament. This is after the resurrection. And I realize that in this, this passage of Scripture, they were referring to a real person, Thyatira, who happened to probably, you know, it's possible she had the exact same name, but I don't think that's what's being said here. You know, it's kind of like saying, well, you know, you know Joel, that comedian, right? 
That's what that Jezebel, that's what he's referring to. It's a descriptive. Because I think it's not just by coincidence or accident that this same spirit that was it all the way in the Old Testament is showing up in the New. Same evil practices, same evil behaviors, and it's getting the same judgment. So this isn't just coincidental, especially since it's been almost a thousand years between the first Jezebel and what Jesus is identifying in the church. We are dealing with an evil spirit. I have a book by John Eckhart. It's called Unshakable. And he writes about Jezebel and Ahab in his book. And he says this, he says, Jezebel was a domineering, manipulative, and seductive. She intimidated, threatened, lied, and did whatever it took to accomplish her end. She had Naboth killed in order to possess his vineyard for her husband. She also murdered the prophets of God and threatened Elijah's life. She was vengeful and vindictive. She was evil and wicked. And there was no peace while Jezebel was active. In 2 Kings chapter 9, verse 22, it says, And when Joram saw Jehu, he said, Is it peace, Jehu? And he answered, What peace can there be so long as the whorings and the sorceries of your mother Jezebel are so many? John Eckhart goes on to say, Rebellion is a wicked personality that needs to be renounced and cast out until we see how wicked it is. We will tolerate it and we will remain in bondage. And then he talks about Ahab, and he says, Ahab was lustful, weak, fearful, and tolerated wickedness. He allowed Jezebel to bring in the worship of Baal. He was passive and would not stand up for righteousness. This inward and withdrawn personality is also wicked and needs to be renounced and cast out. God hates it as he hates rebellion. Rejection and rebellion are both demonic and hateful in God's eyes, which is what Ahab and Jezebel represent. Rejection and rebellion. 1 Kings chapter 21, starting in verse 20, it says, And Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I have found you, because you sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. And behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and cut off, cut and will cut off from Ahab every male, bond or free, in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Bashah, the son of Ahijah, for the anger to which you have prov- provoked me, because you have made Israel to sin. And so John Eckhart goes on to say, God judged Ahab in his house for his wickedness. God hates this spirit because it is wicked. Ahab was idolatrous, he was compromising, he was lustful, he was covetous, and he was weak. He was a rejected man who was connected to a rebellious woman. God judged Jezebel for her wickedness and caused dogs to eat her flesh. Read the story. It's gruesome. She was ruthless and murderous and treacherous, idolatrous and seductive, controlling, intimidating, and wicked. And she was a rebellious woman who was full of witchcraft. Now, some of you may remember when Tony Costa was here. And he was sharing, and I don't remember if he actually shared it here or it was in another conversation I had. Um, that Sunday morning that he came, he said that as he drove into Newcastle, that he could literally feel the oppression of our city when he came in. He, as he drove into the city, he could feel that we were being oppressed with depression, suicidal thoughts, and hopelessness. And he'd asked if anyone here was struggling with these thoughts 
Several people stood up and he led us in a prayer of healing and deliverance. Now, a few people got some relief. I feel very strongly that we need to pray again today. So if you're here and you feel like you've been influenced by the spirit of Ahab, the spirit of Jezebel, you've been attacked by these spirits, I just want you to stand up right now. Go ahead and just put on some very light music. So what I just, I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to lead us through some prayers to bring freedom from these spirits. Do you want that? And I don't want to call you guys out, but youth, if you are struggling, just get in on this action right now. Just stand up and let's just do this because we, we're all not immune, we're, we're, no one's immune to this. So I'm just going to, I'm going to recite a prayer and you just repeat it after me. If you want to throw it on there, the next one. Now we're going to remember we've got spiritual armor. Okay. You've got a helmet of salvation. You've got a breastplate that's, that's the righteousness of Christ. You've got a belt that represents truth. You've got shoes that got you ready to bring the gospel of peace anywhere you need to go. You have a sword that's in the spirit. And you have a, f- a shield of your faith. Okay, so I want you to see yourself. Put those things on right now. Because you're a warrior. You're a fighter. Bible declares you're an overcomer. You're actually more than an overcomer. Jesus has already defeated all these enemies that we are up against. We just need to execute his, his judgment against them. So I'm asking that you would repeat this after me. Say, I confess the sins of my ancestors, my parents, and my own sins of Ahab and Jezebel, including rebellion, rejection, depression, suicidal thoughts, self-harm and cutting, sexual sin, apathy, passivity, cowardice, fear and insecurity, confusion, isolation, abdication, Blame shifting, jealousy, enabling, passive aggressive behavior, intimidation, bullying, and witchcraft. I choose to forgive and release my ancestors as well as all others who have influenced me for these sins and curses. And for the consequences in my life. Now I want you to spend a moment and just in your mind, just say out, you know, I forgive this person. Maybe it's a mom, maybe it's your dad, a friend. Just spend a moment. Just say, I forgive you. I release you. I, ca- I break your, your debt. Just do that right now. Just quietly to yourself. Anyone the Lord brings up, you just say, I forgive you, I release you in Jesus' name. Any person who's had a Jezebel spirit who's attacked you, you have to forgive and release them. Anyone who's had an Ahab spirit and they've come against you, you have to forgive and release them. Grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, aunts and uncles, anyone. Could even be a spouse, a friend, even your own children.
Okay, repeat after me. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for these sins, for yielding to them and the curses. I receive your forgiveness. So just let that touch you right now. Just get it. Just feel washed. Let the blood of Jesus just cover you, make you. It's a reset moment right now. This is a reset moment. God, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you. We praise you for the blood that that destroys the sin and washes it away. doesn't cover it. It takes it all away, God. Thank you for that forgiveness, God. Repeat after me. On the basis of your forgiveness, Lord, I choose to forgive myself for entering into these sins. So just say, your name, Tom, I forgive you right now in the name of Jesus. I forgive me. Now repeat after me. I renounce the sins and curses of Ahab and Jezebel and I break these powers from my life and from the lives of my descendants through the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. I receive God's freedom from these sins and the resulting curses. Now ask the Lord, what is he going to give you in replacing this Jezebel, Ahab influence? God, pour your blessings, God. Show us, Lord. And just say, I receive it. I thank you, God, for that. Thank you, God, showing me, Lord, that I'm free, that I have authority in you and your name, God. You've given us authority. You've given us love, God. Purity, God. We thank you, God, for courage. Thank you for these things, God. Just tell him thank you, thank you, thank you, God. We thank you, Father, for these blessings, for these blessings, God, you've given us. You've replaced the curse with the blessing. Okay, so now we're going to do the warfare. And remember, you've got your armor on. We've got the blood of Jesus. We have the name of Jesus. So when we pray these prayers, I want you to pray with faith and with intensity. So in the name of Jesus, I renounce and break all agreements with the demonic stronghold of Ahab and Jezebel including all associated demons. I take authority over the demonic stronghold of Ahab and Jezebel and command this stronghold and all associated demons to leave me now and to leave my church based on the finished work of Christ on the cross and my authority as a believer. So let's kick him out. Ahab, get out in Jesus' name. Jezebel, get out in Jesus' name. Rebellion, go in Jesus' name. Rejection, get out in Jesus' name. Depression, go in Jesus' name. Suicidal thoughts, you go in Jesus' name. Self-harm and cutting, get out in Jesus' name. Sexual sin, Get out of my life in Jesus' name. Apathy, go in Jesus' name. Passivity, get out in Jesus' name. Cowardice, you leave in Jesus' name. Fear and insecurity, you go in Jesus' name. Confusion, you get out. We send confusion to your camp in Jesus' name. Isolation. You go in Jesus' name. Abdication, get out in Jesus' name. Blame shifting, 
You leave in Jesus' name. Jealousy, get out in Jesus' name. Enabling, I cast you out. Passive-aggressive behavior, you get out in Jesus' name. Intimidation, you have no place here. Get out in Jesus' name. Bullying, get out in Jesus' name. And witchcraft, we curse you and cut you off and command you to go in the name of Jesus to the stronghold of Ahab and Jezebel. We command you to be broken, to leave my life, to leave the life of my family, and to leave my church. You may not touch me, my family, or my church. Go to the feet of Jesus and do as he commands you. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen and hallelujah and hallelujah and amen and amen. Come on, praise him. Father, we thank you. Yes, God. Yes, we thank you, Jesus. We give you praise, God. You, Jesus, deserve all the honor and the glory and the power and the wisdom and the might. You alone are God. None withstand you. None can change your plans. No one can stand against you, God. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory, Father. You are our source. You are our shield, our buckler. We praise you, God, for freedom, for deliverance, God. Thank you, Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over our mind and our thinking because those thoughts will want to come back the minute we go, but we're not going to let them anymore in Jesus' name. Renew our minds, God. Renew our thinking today, right now, God. Renew, renew, renew in the name of Jesus. We give you praise today, God. We love you, Father. Does anybody, do you feel like you got a release? If you feel like a release, just raise your hand. Maybe you feel something in your body. You have something to add? Go ahead. Thank you, Joel. Well, Father, we just sealed today. We sealed the work that you've done. We are going to walk out this freedom. Discouragement is not going to touch us, God. We are going to walk out 
into this. We are going to go back towards each other. We are going to come out of isolation. These thoughts that have plagued us are going to die today in the name of Jesus. The fear and insecurity, it's gone in Jesus' name. The confusion, you're gone. We have the mind of Christ. We have the wisdom of heaven. The spirit of wisdom and revelation is upon us. And we know which way to go and what to do and how to do it. From this day forth, God, we thank you for the foundation, the cornerstone of Jesus that we build our lives on today. And Father, today we just seal this time as you have delivered and set us free, God, from these evil spirits of Ahab and Jezebel. We give you praise. We love you, Father. And we say again, amen and amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have an amazing day. Praise the Lord.